Hello, and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 127. Today we will be going over the edits, but before we get into that, I want to go over some station news. First of all, if you'd like to check out the website, feel free to do so. That is at hugenhoff.org, H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org, and you can find the podcast there, subscribe to the RSS, and look at a couple other things. We've got a section on the runes and suggested reading and stuff like that, so feel free to check that out. Also, feel free to check out Lore's books. You can go to Amazon.com and just look up Stephen Oaks, and he's got some books there. I have a book there, too, but that is all in the show notes, so I would suggest you go to the show notes to get the detail details for all of that. Um, I think that's it, so I'm actually going to just jump right into it, and I'll just start where I left off last time. So, again... In case you're coming in mid-series, this is the Edda by Snorri Sturluson. Um, not the poetic Eddas, but just the regular Edda. Okay. Oh, and Ganglary was talking to um, the gods, basically, asking questions about lore and stuff like that. So that's where we're jumping in. Uh, here we were... Um, Ganglary had just replied, what did Borsun do then, if you believe that they are gods? Oh, yes, so we're talking about um, kind of the beginning of the world and where the first giants and the first gods came from and Abdullah and all of that stuff. So that's where we're picking up, just as a refresher. Hi, Hi said, there is not just a little to be told about that. They took Ymir and transported him to the middle of Ginnagap, and out of him made the earth, out of his blood the seas and the lakes. The earth was made of the flesh and the rocks of the bones. Stones and scree they made out of the teeth and molars, and of the bones that had been broken. So this is the creation of the earth, and I think that it's interesting that it's coming out of Ymir, the first giant that they killed. So, like, what does that mean? Why did they make the Earth out of the first giant? I think there's probably a lot of answers to that, and there's a lot of meanings to why they did that, but I think the biggest and probably most obvious one is they're kind of focusing on the, like, creation of life out of death. I feel like that's a theme that comes up a lot. Like there is this life death rebirth cycle and you have to have death to have that followed by life. There needs to be, you know, something old destroyed so something new can be created. I think I compared it the beginning of the world to the end of the world last time. And I'll do that again in Ragnarok. Remember, the old earth needs to be destroyed before the new one can be created. So this is sort of something similar to that. The the first being that came into existence is being destroyed so that the earth can be created. And I think that's probably significant. Now, I mean, I guess you could argue the first being to come into existence was Abdullah, which would technically be correct. But she's the catalyst. I think Abdullah is the catalyst to create these other things because she's never really not really mentioned afterwards. So Abdullah is just like the creative, like the catalyst that creates these other entities. And Ymir was really the first entity, so he had to, in this case, be killed so that he could make the earth. So I, I think that it's starting 
starting this idea of the life, death, rebirth cycle right here in the very beginning story. So there you go. Um, then spoke Justice High, out of the blood that came from his wounds and was flowing unconfined, out of this they made the sea, with which they encompassed and contained the earth. And they, pay, and they placed this sea in a circle around the outside of it. And it will, and it will seem an impossibility to most of us to get across it. Then spoke Third, they also took his skull and made out of it the sky and set it up over the earth with four points, and under each corner they set a dwarf. Their names were Austri, Vestri, Nordri, and Sudre. Um, so, so the four directions and the four dwarves come up a lot, not just in Norse mythology, in a lot of mythologies. It's always four, because I, I don't know. I think that number just has a lot to do with like the physical earth. So I think it's pretty obvious, but in case it's not, these correspond to east, west, north, and south. Um, and they use this sky to, they use this skull to create the sky. Okay. Let's see. Then they took molten particles and sparks that were flying uncontrolled and had shot out of the world of, of Muspel and set them in the middle of the firm of the firmaments of the sky, both above and below, to illuminate heaven and earth. They fixed all the lights, some of the sky, some moved in a wandering course beneath the sky, but they appointed them positions and ordained their courses. That is, thus it is said in ancient sources that by means of them days were distinguished and also counted the years, as it says in, Vals in Valsipa. The sun did not know where her dwelling was. The moon did not know what power he had. The stars did not know where their places were. Okay, so again, this is just talking about the beginning of the earth and the, how the sun and moon and sky and stars and all those other things are placed. Uh, okay, so let's continue. That is what it was like above the earth before this took place. Then spoke Inglary. This is important information that I have just heard. This is an amazingly large construction and skillfully made. How was the earth arranged? Oh, I just want to quickly go over, we dig over the part where the land was surrounded by the sea. Um, and yeah, that that is the sea back in the time of our ancestors probably seemed like an impassable border. I don't know if they really literally thought that the sea just went forever and flowed off the end of the earth. Like, I don't know what shape they thought the earth was. I didn't, I don't know really where they were there or if they even thought about it. But I think what is probably important is the idea that for our our ancestors, who were very much seagoing people, who went out on the ocean a lot. The idea that the sea completely encompasses them, like symbolically makes sense. It's it's a border that they can't really go beyond, and, the, and they're not able to go beyond for like, uh, until they discovered America, so that's like way later. Um, but there's this idea that that there's this border around their lands that they can't get beyond. 
Um, and I think that makes sense. I don't. I don't know if they're talking. They physically thought that the Earth was, that all of the land was surrounded by, the sea, or if they're just symbolically saying like the sea is a is our border. It's something that we can't go beyond, and th- that kind of defines like the edge of our civilization. Okay, so let's move on. Then High replied. It is circular around the edge, and around it lies the deep sea. And along the shore of this sea, they gave lands to live into the races of giants. But on the earth, on the inner side, they made fortifications around the world against the hostility of giants. And for this fortification, they used the giant Ymir's eyelashes, and they called the fortification Midgard. They also took his brains and threw them into the sky and made out of them the clouds, as it says here. From Ymir's flesh was earth created, and from blood sea, rocks and bones, trees of hair from his skull the sky. And from his eyelashes the joyous gods made Midgard for the men's of sun, and from his brains were those cruel clouds created. Um, okay, so that's interesting. <clears throat> they're saying and for the fortifications blah 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 from Ymir's flesh earth was created and his blood the seas okay where is it and from his eyelashes the joyous gods made Midgard for the men's of sun so if we read that does it mean that they created when they say they created the world does that mean they created the nine worlds and what we were reading about there was a um, description of the nine worlds and only the eyelashes existed in Midgard that's interesting I had always thought when I was reading this that Ymir's body created the earth like created Midgard not the other nine realms but this seems to be implying this seems to be implying that it created the other nine realms as well and only the eyelashes specifically are Midgard which would be Earth um, I suppose both ways make sense I guess we can read on and see if I have other thoughts on that but it's interesting to think that maybe they made all the nine worlds out of Ymir. Well, all of them except for Muspelheim and Niflheim, because those already existed. And it, it did say that. That's where, like, they were between Ginnagap. But that's really... But why I think that's interesting is because... Does... Okay, so I guess, like, the sea was made out of his blood, so that would be the sea on Earth, but also the sea in the other realms, because the other realms could also have the sea. But then does that change the meaning of, like, you have the world tree, which is surrounded by the sea, and then maybe that really is an impenetrable barrier. Hold on, let me go back here. It says here, it is circular around the edge, and around it lies the deep sea. Okay, so talking about the world they just made. And along the shore of this sea, they gave lands to live. Oh, and along the shore of the sea, they gave lands to live into the races of giants. But on the earth, on the 
inner side, they made fortifications around the world against the hostility of giants. And they used Yamura's eyelashes. So that's that's interesting. So along the shore of this sea they gave so yeah, this seems to be implying that like the giants live on the sea as well. So it seems to be implying that this is the whole nine realms or the whole world tree that they created out of Yamura's body and not just the earth. And then that is all encompassed by this sea that then, I guess, I guess there's nothing, not there's nothing beyond the sea, but our realm of existence wouldn't exist beyond the sea because our realm of existence sort of happens or is encompassed in the world tree. That's interesting. I don't know if that makes I don't, I, I'm sure that's important, but I'm not sure how. I think that is a different way to read it than the way that I've always read it. So that's interesting. That's something you, that's something to think about. All right, but the other thing, why eyelashes? That's weird as well. They use eyelashes as the fortification to Midgard. Um, and I don't know why. That's also, it. It, it doesn't seem like it'd be something random, but why eyelashes? And is it significant that eyelashes protect the eye? I, I don't know. This whole, it's the whole nine worlds that they use Yamura's body to create instead of just the earth. Sort of threw me for a loop because I don't think I've ever read it that way before. Um, okay, I will continue. Then spoke Inglary, a great deal it seems to me they had achieved when earth and heavens were made, and sun and stars were put in position, and the days were separated. And where did the people come from who inhabited the world? Then High replied, a boar's son walked along the seashore. They came across two logs and created people... Oh wait, let me, let me restart. As Boar's son, so as Boar's son walked along the seashore, they came across two logs and created people out of them. The first gave breath and life, the second consciousness and movement, the third a face, speech and hearing and sight. They gave them clothes and names. The man was called Ass, the woman Embla, and from them were produced a mankind to whom the dwelling place under Midgard was given. After that, they made themselves a city in the middle of the world, which is known as Asgard. We call it Troy. All right, this might be Snorri just throwing something in here, because I don't know why he says we call it Troy. It just seems out of the blue that he threw that in there as a... I mean, he knew the history of the Roman Empire, and I guess he probably wanted to like pull this into the Roman Empire and make a neat connection, like Asgard was Troy... I don't know, but I feel I feel like because of the way it's thrown in here, this was Snorri throwing something in semi-randomly, and probably did not exist in the original stories because it's important to remember that the original stories were passed on in or in, in oral tradition, and Snorri is just putting everything here. So I don't know if he's saying we call it Troy to connect it to something Roman because that's like a neat connection for him to have or if he's trying to say like it was a great grand beautiful city like Troy was which was famously which was a really famous city anyway moving on there the gods and their descendants lived and there took 
place as a result many events and developments both on earth and aloft. In the city there is a seat called uh, I can never say this Hilskialf and when Odin sat in that throne he saw over all the worlds and every man's activity and understood everything he saw. His wife was called Freg, Fjorgvin's daughter, and from them is descended the family line that we call the Aesir race, who have resided in old Asgard and the realms that belong to it, and that whole line of descendants is of divine origin, and this is what he can be called, Allfather, and that he is father of all the gods and of men and of everything that has been brought into being by him and his power. The earth was his daughter and his wife. Out of her he begot the first of his sons, that is Azathor. He was possessed of power and strength. As a result, he overcame all living things. Okay, I think this is probably a good place to, well wrap up um so this is talking about the beginning of uh, of the first person and i've always liked this story because so boar son is odin villian Vey, and when they're saying how they created people so they came across they came across two logs first of all i think it's interesting that they didn't come across two rocks or something like that it's two things that in this interpretation at least, are something that at least used to be living. And I always thought the story was he came across two trees, but logs and trees, you know, are similar. Uh, but I like the fact that it starts with something living. So like life is created in the original cycle, like uh, uh, the original coming together of the world and creating of the earth with Abdul and all of that life is created but he, he starts with something that is already alive and of nature and to create them he gave them breath and life which I mean I guess you have to have breath and life so that's good the second thing he gave them was consciousness and movement uh, which I guess that makes sense and the third thing he gave them is a face is a where is it a face speech and hearing and sight and then the third thing he gave them was clothes and a name and why I find that interesting is the idea that language is one of the things that Odin presumably gave people so that that's kind of saying how important language can be to us and the way that we interact with the world and then also clothes because clothing language and clothing are two of those big things that differentiate us from you know all the other animals who are similar to us in a lot of way but ways but they don't have the kind of complex language that people have and they don't have clothing and you might be like well clothing isn't that important why is clothing a big deal it's just what we wear to be warm but I think clothing is actually quite important and I'm not making a kill a kill reference but clothing really does it's something that we do that nobody else does and yes we do wear clothing to stay warm but that's not the only reason we wear clothing we also wear clothing to like 
present ourselves in a unique way to the world. And I think that's always been a thing. The way that you dress has always been important. It may be too important in a lot of times. You know, people will judge you for how you dress, which that is problematic. But also, you are saying, I am this type of person by the clothes that you wear. You're presenting an image of yourself to the world before you've even said anything, before you've interacted with anybody. You've presented something about yourself through clothing. And I think that is one of those things that's really important and really makes us human and really went to creating the first like societies that we had. Like even even today, yeah, different people in different countries will 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 wear clothing that sort of maybe looks similar. But I think it's different people in different social groups wear clothing that looks familiar. Like you can look at somebody and see, and and, and fairly or unfairly, you can look at somebody and their clothing and tell a lot of the things that they're into. Like if somebody has a band t-shirt that tells you a lot about them it tells you what kind of music they like which can very possibly tell you some of the morals that they likely have you know that correspond with that music or if somebody dresses in a suit and tie they might be a different type of person who than somebody who who doesn't dress that way like you can tell a lot about a person just by looking at their clothing and I think most people spend a lot of time like deciding what clothes they what clothes they want to wear and there's a lot of things where you're like oh I want to support this thing and put out into the world that I like this thing so I'm going to wear this shirt that represents that thing I mean that's why like printed t-shirts are so popular and for every show or whatever it is, you can buy a t-shirt because you'd like to say, hey world, I like this thing, and that says something about you. And I think it's interesting that it's putting right here, like when Odin was creating people, so one of the defining things that makes people people is clothing. And I I I I think I think that's interesting. There's a lot to clothing and what you wear and how you like align yourself with one group or another is something very human that we do that I, I don't know if the other other animals necessarily do too much but we like really have a strong identity of who we are based off the clothing that we wear so I think it's really cool that that was in there and then of course language is also the other big one I think the big thing that differentiates us from all the other animals is the fact that we have a complex language and we can and and I sort of also think that where that gets into how you create how do you say it how you create that like non-physical part of yourself I think that we as humans sort of live in two worlds we live in the physical world which is like everybody else it's just a world that's here and actually exists but we also live in a mental world a world of ideas and that world is composed entirely of language so the idea that the gods gave us language which made that secondary world possible i think is really important and really interesting because i think ultimately that second world if you're going 
if if you're going to believe in something like a soul, which I mean I do, but you don't have to. I think that would have to work exist in the world of ideas because the physical world we're not immortal in it. Like our bodies will die, and we no longer have a tie to the physical world because our bodies, you know, they're they're gone. But the world of ideas exists separately from the physical world, and things can live forever in there. And you know, maybe that's where the gods live, and maybe that's where people live. But we can't live there unless we have a means to interact and interface with it which is language, which is why language here is so important. And it's something that made us humans and it's a gift from the gods because that's what lets us enter their world and be a part of their world and just interact with the world of ideas, which so, so I just think that one's really important. But also I did say that was a good place to stop. So I am going to go ahead and wrap it up and, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do final thoughts because I think that last final thought I had was good. Uh, we will pick up the same place next month and read a little more. So until then, thank you everybody for listening. Hope you got something out of this. And just a reminder, you can check out my website at hugenhoff.org. That's H-E-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. And I will see you next month. Frau Hell. <laughs>